Well, Merry Christmas to you all. It is great to be able to come together tonight, uh, today, it's not tonight, uh, and worship the Lord. Hold on, I got to fix this. I don't know what's going on. Hold on. Pay attention, no attention to what's going on on the screen at the moment. There we go. Okay. It is, it is such a special day. I love coming together. We had, you know, toyed with, I think other churches even in our area are not having morning services, but we just wanted to still worship together on Christmas Eve. I really want you to come back for the Christmas Eve services tonight because they are a meaningful time. But I think that this message this morning is something God has laid on my heart. I think it's going to be uh, one that's going to challenge us. Christmas really reveals God's heart and God's desire. Now, sorry to burst your bubble, but most likely this season, December 25th, is probably not the actual day that Jesus was born. In fact, scholars have looked back and say that it's probably sometime in the summer that Jesus was actually born. Regardless of when it actually was, there's a good time to celebrate that over the course of the year, and it's been widely recognized for generations and for centuries now that this is the day we at least celebrate the the fact that Jesus was born. It reveals the heart of God, that God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whosoever would believe in him would have eternal life. And that's why we celebrate Christmas. We celebrate Jesus coming as a gift from God given to us as a needed thing for mankind. I know some of you are looking forward to celebrating by the, the sharing in gifts. I know there's a lot of traditions around uh, Christmas time. Some of you gather together on Christmas Eve and you open presents on Christmas Eve. By the way, if you do that, you're wrong. You're just wrong. Um, yeah, amen and preach it. Uh, but Christmas Day, you know, that's a good time. So our family's compromised um, because Jennifer's family uh, does Christmas Eve. Mine has always done Christmas Day. So now our kids growing up got to have both. So they got the best of both worlds by do doing it both times. I, I have a family friend, and I remember this as a kid. Some of you have heard this story, but a, but a family friend, when I was probably 12 or 13 years old, maybe 14, right in that age range, that there was a son who was extremely excited for the presents that he was going to be getting at Christmas time, but he could not wait. He could not wait for the presents. They showed up, you know, two or three weeks ahead of time under the tree. It was tempting him. He wanted to know what was in these gifts. He could not wait. So one night in the middle of the night, he snuck downstairs and carefully unwrapped every present that was going to be given to him so that he could know exactly what he was getting. It was a delight for him to find those gifts, and he thought cleverly, I will rewrap all of them, put them under the tree, mom and dad will never know. However, and he would have gotten away with this had he not rewrapped the gifts with black electrical tape rather than scotch tape. He would have been easily able to get away with it. He was pretty disturbed by the time his parents found this out and punished him appropriately. Today we're going to be looking at just that. Are you delighted or are you disturbed when it comes to Jesus coming on the scene? God's heart for mankind is revealed in what G. Campbell Morgan, who was a pastor and theologian, scholar, said. He said the ultimate purpose of God is to dwell with men. 
Why did Jesus come? He came to dwell among men. Why do we go to heaven to be with God? Because God wants us to dwell with him. Man is to be blessed in God. When I say man, that means mankind. God is to be glorified in man. God wants us to be with him. He cares for us as people, so he sent his son in order that we might dwell with him. And that is the ultimate reasoning behind why Jesus came, so that God could restore us, reconnect with us, and let us dwell among him. He could bless us, and we could then glorify him. I want to look at the Christmas story today, and I want to look at one aspect of the Christmas story as we wrestle with some of these ideas of the fact, does Jesus delight you or does he disturb you this Christmas season? Let's read what it says in the book of Matthew. In Matthew chapter 2, we're going to read verses 1 through 12, and here's what it says. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of King Herod, wise men from the east arrived unexpectedly in Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star in the east, and we have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was deeply disturbed, and all Jerusalem with him. So he assembled all the chief priests and the scribes of the people, and asked them where the Messiah would be born. In Bethlehem of Judea, they told him, because this is what was written by the prophet Micah. And you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the leaders of Judah, because out of you will come a leader who will shepherd my people Israel." Then Herod secretly summoned the wise men and asked them the exact time the star appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and he said to these wise people, he said, go and search carefully for the child. When you find him, report back to me so that I too can go and worship him. After hearing the king, they went on their way. And there it was, the star they had seen in the east. It led them until it came and stopped above the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed beyond measure. Entering the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and falling down to their knees, they worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their own country by another route. Let's pray as we begin. Father, help us to really take to heart the message that is communicated in these 12 verses. Lord, you have something for each one of us today that we need to really wrestle with. Lord, I I pray that you would be at the center of our hearts and our lives There may be some in this room, some watching today, that you are an afterthought. You're not a priority. You're something that they can sit on the shelf and look at every once in a while. But that's not what we want, Lord. We want you to be at the center of our lives, where we open our treasures and present them to you. Everything we are, everything that we have, we want to give to you. Lord, teach us now what we need to learn and what we need to know as we look at these scriptures. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. I had mentioned the title as I was talking earlier, and the title of the message today, this Christmas Eve morning, is this. Does Jesus disturb you? Or does he delight you? 
in the scriptures that I read, there were two responses that were given to Jesus about Jesus, regarding Jesus, at Christmas time. One of the responses we saw in Herod in the way that he responded to the news of the birth of the king of the Jews. And the news, when Herod heard this, deeply disturbed him. This disturbing of Herod is an indication of what the name of Jesus does in so many people. It said in the scriptures that we read in verse 3, when King Herod heard this, he was deeply disturbed. When King Herod heard the news of Jesus, it deeply troubled him. It deeply disturbed him. It deeply bothered him. And then in verse 12, it says this of Herod. I'm sorry, verse 16, it says, Then Herod flew into a rage. He gave orders to massacre all the male children in and around Bethlehem who were two years old and under. This is what the response was to Jesus. We didn't read that last part, but you know the rest of the story. And the story goes on that he flew into a rage and wanted to murder anyone above the age or around the age of two and under. It disturbed him. It bothered him greatly. Several years ago, Bill and Gloria Gaither, which is a name mostly older people in this congregation would know, they wrote a simple but powerful song. I am not going to sing it to you because I don't want to hurt you this Christmas Eve, but I want to share the lyrics with you. Here are the lyrics of that powerful song. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. There's just something about that name. Master, Savior, Jesus, like the fragrance after the rain. Jesus, 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 let all heaven and earth proclaim. Kings and kingdoms will all pass away, but there's something about that name. Today, the name of Jesus is incredibly controversial. Many people don't like hearing someone else invoke the name of Jesus. The name of Jesus makes people uncomfortable. The name of Jesus bothers people. It disturbs people. Some even fly into a rage at the mention of the name of Jesus. See, you can use the name of Jesus as a cuss word, as a slang word, as a word meant to invoke rage or, or put somebody down. You can use the name of Jesus in that way. But if you use Jesus' name in a way that blesses him or convicts people, they fly into a rage and it deeply disturbs them. I personally know pastors who have been advised not to, play, not to pray in Jesus' name in some settings. Former Florida football star Tim Tebow was severely criticized for invoking the name of Jesus as his Lord and Savior. I've heard of Christian chaplains in states who've been ordered, whether it's an invocation or a benediction or a counseling setting, not to speak in the name of Jesus. Franklin Graham wrote a book called The Name. And when he wrote this book, he was accused of bigotry and engaging in hate speech. Graham expressed his frustration in the words he penned in that book toward our society when he said this, Tolerance has become the new watchword of our times. It is heralded, heralded, heralded as perhaps the highest virtue in Western culture. 
that glues people of differing backgrounds and ideologies together for the sake of promoting cultural unity. What does he mean? He means that's the buzzword. Just be tolerant. Be very tolerant. Approve of anything and everything that somebody else does. We are told by the media and the government bureaucrats to be tolerant of everything and anything except, note that word, he says, except the gospel of salvation. So you can be tolerant of every ideology, every belief system, every culture, every wicked thing that somebody wants to do, except you can't be tolerant of the gospel of salvation. All in the name of political correctness. It seems almost ironic that Christians are not being tolerated by such a, quote, tolerant society. So I admit, Franklin Graham says, I get frustrated and a bit defensive when I encounter intolerance toward the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. See, this is not a new reaction, though. This is a very common reaction in all ages of history. In fact, it happened at the very beginning in Acts chapter 4. The Sadducees found Peter and John preaching in the temple, and it disturbed them that they brought up the name of Jesus. Here's what it says. Now, as Peter and John spoke to the people, the priests, the captain of the temple, and the Sadducees came upon them, and being greatly disturbed that they taught the people and preached in Jesus, the resurrection from the dead, and they laid hands on them and put them in custody until the next day, for it was already evening. Speaking in the name of Jesus caused them to be arrested. What does speaking in the name of Jesus do in your life? It can make you be ostracized in your workplace. It may cost you a promotion. It may cost you an income. Speaking in the name of Jesus may lose friends in high school or college or elementary school. Speaking in the name of Jesus may lose connections with family members because they don't want to hear that name. You can use it as a cuss word, but you can't use it as a ministry tool or a message of salvation. In the same way that John and Peter spoke in the name of Jesus, it greatly disturbed then and it will greatly disturb now. I'm afraid, and I know these fears are, are merited and very real, that it's going to happen more and more and more in our society that speaking in the name of Jesus is going to have serious ramifications because it's going to continue to disturb people. As a result of what Peter and John were doing, they were arrested, brought before the Sanhedrin, tried before the Sanhedrin, thrown into custody, yet they knew they could not stop. If you are disturbed by his name, there's going to be a problem for you in eternity. Matthew chapter 10, Jesus says these words, but whoever denies me before men... Him I will also deny before my Father who is in heaven. Do you realize how serious that is? If you're ashamed of Jesus, if you can't speak in the name of Jesus, if you are more concerned about the people who are disturbed rather than pleasing the Lord, there's a danger that he might say, I will deny you before my Father who is in heaven. They knew that to be true. 
And so they decided we're not going to we're not going to step away. We're not going to quit speaking even if it costs us jail time. Even if you're disturbed by this, we will keep speaking out for Jesus. They concluded this powerful sermon even though the religious and the governmental leaders were disturbed, Peter said this. Nor is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Conferring with one another, the Sanhedrin, they then released Peter and John. And in verse 18, it says this. So they called them and commanded them not to speak at all, nor to teach in the name of Jesus. Those who did not believe that he was the Messiah and denied the resurrection were upset. Today, the name of Jesus angers the Muslims. It angers the Buddhists. It angers the extreme left. It angers the atheists. It angers the infidels. It angers the agnostics. They don't like hearing the name of Jesus. The politically correct try to, try to bully and to shame people into not speaking in Jesus' name. Does Jesus disturb you? Does his name bother you? Are you ashamed of his name in work, in school, in sports, in your family? Or do you willingly and gladly speak of the name of Jesus, because there is no other name under heaven by which we can be saved. That's one of the responses that happened at Christmas. But there was a second response, and this is the response that I want to have, and it's the response that I hope for you that you have toward the name of Jesus. While he disturbed Herod, and Herod would fly into a rage, Jesus delighted the wise men. And I hope that you are delighted in that way. Verses 11 and 12 of what we read said this. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed beyond measure. Entering the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and falling to their knees, they worshiped him. They were overjoyed beyond measure at the idea of Jesus, at the sight of Jesus, falling down on their knees to worship Jesus. That is the response that Christmas should invoke in the believer. Amen. Not being disturbed, but being delighted. It says in verse, the other half of verse 11, then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts. Going back to the story in Acts, Peter and John also had delight in Jesus, even though it cost them jail time. It says in the book of Acts, verses 19 and 20, when they said, don't you dare speak in the name of Jesus, Peter and John answered and said to them, whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you more than to God, you judge. For we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. That is the heart of somebody who's encountered Jesus. At Christmas time, we encounter him. And it either creates people who are disturbed or people who are absolutely overjoyed and delighted. In the book of Psalms, it says, Delight yourself also in the Lord. And he shall give you the desires of your heart. 
What did, what did the wise men do when they encountered Jesus and were delighted? It says that they opened their treasures and they gave them to him. Do you know that that carries on today? You open your treasures and you give them to him. I'm not talking about gold and frankincense and myrrh, although giving is a natural part of that. I'm talking about your life as it is. The treasures of your life, your abilities, your gifts, yes, your finances, your children, your talents that you have. You say, Jesus, everything that's within my power, because I delight in you and I'm overjoyed with this, everything is yours to do with however you want and however you please. The delighting in Jesus is what he is calling for. It may cost something, though. Do you know that believers, since the time of Jesus, have died because of the name of Jesus? Because they were so overjoyed and delighted in who Jesus is, they were willing to sacrifice their own lives. Very first martyr in the Bible was Stephen. Speaking for the name of Jesus didn't count his life anything, gave his life for the sake of the gospel. The name of Jesus disturbed everybody else enough that they picked up stones and they began to stone him to death. And yet Stephen willingly, because of the delight in Jesus, gave of his life. Amazing. James was the very first of the disciples, the apostles, who was martyred. Stephen was not a disciple or an apostle of the twelve. James would be the first one. Gave his life because of the name of Jesus. What is it about Jesus that would cause them to be willing to give of their lives? Every one of the disciples died a martyr's death except for John. And it's because they just couldn't kill him. He wouldn't die. They tried to a couple of different times. He would not die, stubborn guy that he was. All of them gave their life. Their lives meant nothing in exchange for the name of Jesus because there is no other name by which we can be saved. Are you delighting or does Jesus disturb you? That's the ultimate question of this story. It disturbed Herod. It bothered him greatly. He flew into a rage because of this Jesus. And the wise men were overjoyed in delight of who Jesus was and who Jesus is. And they willingly gave their lives, all of their treasures, to him. Have you done that? This Christmas, does he disturb you or delight you? If he disturbs you, that's a problem. And it's not a problem for me, it's a problem for you. Because I will not stand in your place before him one day. You will stand before the almighty God and he will ask you almost the same question. Did my son disturb you or delight you? I hope that you can say he delighted me. He overjoyed my heart and I presented my life to him as an offering. Let's pray as we close. Father God, thank you for the time that we can gather here and worship you 
And I pray with all of my heart, Lord, that you would be a delight to us. That we would do as the psalmist said, that we would delight in you and that you would give us the desires of our hearts. But it's amazing, Lord, when we delight in you, how our desires completely change. Lord, I pray today that if there are any in this room or any that are watching that you disturb them, that they would look in and see why. And maybe they would do some business with you and accept you into their life and have a delight that happens. Lord, Christmas is such a beautiful time, a wonderful time, but it bothers a whole lot of people. And we've seen it. We've seen that Christmas is more about other things than it is about you. I pray that you would be the center of this day and the day tomorrow and all of our lives. We thank you. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. You have a wonderful rest of your day, and I will see you back here at either 4 or 6 p.m. for our Christmas Eve services tonight. Have a wonderful Christmas Eve day. See you then.